Do you have a tricky work problem that you need to solve? I have a great podcast recommendation for you featuring a pair of expert women. Whether you're just starting your career or a seasoned professional, check out Fixable, a podcast from TED. Hosted by Harvard professor Frances Fry and her wife, leadership coach Ann Morris, the brilliant duo provide honest, actionable advice to help you navigate everything from a gaslighting manager to returning to work after parental leave. They'll leave you feeling empowered and ready to act. Listen to Fixable wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to The Bossed Up Podcast, episode 12. I'm your host, Emily Aries, the founder and CEO of Bossed Up, where I help women navigate career transition and live like a boss. I am so excited to be having this conversation today all around salary negotiation because earlier this month, we celebrated Equal Pay Day. Hooray! It's sort of a non-holiday that I celebrate, in air quotes, usually with a glass of Chardonnay, to be honest, that signifies how far into 2018 the average woman must work to take home the same amount of money the average man brought home in 2017. This year's Equal Pay Day fell on April 10th, but really when we're talking in averages, that oversimplifies things. When you look at race, for instance, equal pay day for black women in the United States doesn't come along until August. And for Latino women, it's even worse. It's in November. And here in Denver, in the weekend leading up to equal pay day, I had the great opportunity and privilege to be invited to chat on Denver 9 News with the marvelous Taronda Thomas. And now Taronda is going to return the favor by joining me here in studio to answer today's listener-submitted career conundrum that we'll hear from in just a moment. But first, let me tell you about this incredible woman. Taronda Thomas anchors the Denver 9 Weekend News and produces stories throughout the week as well. And this Baton Rouge native is an award-winning journalist who's lived here in Colorado for years and has many awards and accolades behind her. She's won Heartland Emmy Awards, Edward R. Murrow Awards, and Associated Press Awards for her work, and was even named Broadcast Journalist of the Year by the Colorado Association of Black Journalists, and received six other awards from the National Association of Black Journalists as well. A mother of three, an incredible advocate for women asking for more, She and I couldn't help but continue our conversation off air after she was kind enough to invite me on to Denver 9 Morning News, which I'll include a link to so you can watch the segment in the show notes today. It's really brief, but it's worth taking a peek at. And after that conversation, we kept talking off air, especially as motherhood relates to the wage gap and negotiation. So I'm so excited to have Taronda here joining me today to talk about, okay, how exactly do you know your worth? And how do you advocate for that worth in a negotiation situation so that we can all do our part to close the gender wage gap? That's the topic of today's conversation kicked off by our wonderful listener-submitted career conundrum. Take a listen. Hi, Emily. I'm looking for a new job, and I know it's important to know my worth and ask for it, and I'm ready to. 
but how do I know how much I'm worth? How do I figure out what number to ask for when I'm ready to negotiate? What do I put into payscale.com or Glassdoor for the number of years of experience I have? That is such a great question, and I'm so excited to be joined in studio today by the marvelous Taronda Thomas. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk to you about this. I guess I'd like to start by acknowledging that you've made some big geographic shifts in your career over the years, Yes. I'm an anchor and reporter for local TV news and NBC affiliate. And, um, you know, as part of my career, you have to be willing to move. So you could end up anywhere. I'm from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Southern girl. And my first job was in Morgan City, Louisiana, home of the Shrimp and Petroleum Festival. Ah, mm-hmm. yes. You may have heard the of it famous before. One. Oh, yes, yes, yes. The one and only. <laughs> Shout out to it is Morgan a thing. City. <laughs> Shout out to Morgan City for keeping the tradition alive. It is absolutely a sight to see if you're ever down there for Labor Day weekend. I will take note. And <laughs> then you moved on to Richmond, Virginia. Yes, from a really small market. Um, and I moved to Colorado Springs in between, which was a medium-sized market, and then moved to Richmond, Virginia, and then came to Denver. Back to Colorado. That's it. I, I love being here. So I've been here 11 years. Amazing. And what have you learned about negotiation at each of those transition points in your career? I can say that thinking back to each of those transitions, it's it's been very, very different now. It, you've got me thinking now about that first job in Morgan City. I did not negotiate at all. I didn't ask for anything more than what was offered because I thought that's the offer. That's what's on the table. And I have to decide if I like it or not. Now, I'm going to tell you a little bit about Morgan City, what I did there. I was anchor, reporter, producer, photographer, shot all my stuff, edited my stuff. I was news director for a while, did city council meetings. If it was Friday, I shot high school football. And for all that, I made $13,000 a year. (gasps) Oh, my goodness. That was my first job. And I just thought, okay, I should be happy just to get into the business and let me just do this for a year and suffer and work yeah. through it. And, you know, I I had to be really creative with housing. I qualified for low-income housing. Yeah. Took advantage of it. Hey, you know, there's it can't be too prideful when you're in that type of situation. But looking back now, I don't know if there was more room for negotiation because it was such a small place, literally an old furniture warehouse that a guy said, I want to put a TV station in. <laughs> but I could have asked for a more. little bit more. I, sure. You can always ask for more. Confession, I did the same thing. So there's this is something that happens today, too. And so many women I hear from, no matter the market, no matter the, the job, sometimes we assume that what's on the table is what's on the table, take it or leave it. And so if anything, our listener, I think, really brings up in her question, it's this underlying assumption that she already knows she's got to ask for more, which is really part of why we talk about equal pay day like we did on your show was to to raise awareness that there are still systemic gaps in how we pay women versus men and in how we pay women of color versus white women. Absolutely. And it takes a lot longer to catch up with what a man makes by the end of the year, especially for women of color and women in general. I will say one of the most profound things that I was ever told about negotiation uh, was from a boss, a woman. Uh, and she said, you would be shocked at how many women do not negotiate with me when I make an offer and they don't have a counteroffer at all. Mm. When I heard that, I said, wow, they want us to ask for more. 
first is about the bottom line, you know, right. they want to meet their bottom line, but they're expecting us to ask for more. And so many of us don't. Totally. It makes me think too about the concept. My dad had a hand in kind of building my confidence about that once I got more into the business world. In Louisiana, we call it land yap. That means it's a Creole term for a little something extra. Ah. So what are you going to throw in for me? You always ask for a little bit of land yap with something. So I started, you know, asking for things like my dad would ask for things at a store. Huh, what are you going to throw in for that? Ooh, you got any end of the night specials? What are you going <laughs> to do with all that? And a little cherry on top, right? Always worked. Wow. Always works. So why not take that concept of what can I get that's a little extra into your career? But first, you've got to know that you're worth it. Right. First, you've got to tell yourself, okay, I'm going to give them everything I have and I'm going to be the best employee and I'm completely worth what I'm asking for. Because if you're not convinced of it, they won't be convinced of it's it. It's so true that there are so many mental barriers that I think stand in the way first and foremost that counter the narrative that you brought up, which is I should be grateful for anything. Exactly. Right? Who am I to negotiate in this economy, in this environment, in this stage in my life, in what have you? And sometimes we get all bogged down in those perceived privileges or obstacles in our path or the stories that we tell ourselves about our lives and our capabilities that prevents us from going full mama bear like a mother would. Completely, right? completely. And I learned from a professional negotiator years ago who gave me this tip. She said, women, they are far less likely to negotiate, but they become more likely when they tell themselves what I'm doing is for my family. So whether that's for your children, your husband, maybe you take care of your parents. If you don't have a family, say, this is for my future. I'm investing in something that's bigger than this moment right now because we tend to think of ourselves sometimes as being greedy Mm. if we want more, being unreasonable. But if you look at it as an investment, I can tell you that bucked me up. That bucked up my courage when she said, about family, thinking about it for family. And I remember after I interviewed this negotiator, I said, I'm going to try this at the grocery store mm-hmm. where I spend half my life. I have three children. <laughs> they know me personally. I should clock in and clock out at the grocery store. So <laughs> I go to the meat counter and I look at the dates of the meat. And if it's within one or two days, my rule is I'm going to ask you for a discount. I'm going to say, well, I got to cook this you know, in the next day or two or freeze it. So what can you do for me? Every single time, about 30 to 40% off. Wow. Or whatever's there. So that's a small way to start and practice and get comfortable with asking because the worst they can say is no. The worst they can say is no. I love that concept because I really look at negotiation with a growth mindset. This idea that it's a muscle that you can work out, it's something you can flex, it's something we can all get better and more comfortable at. But practice during low-risk scenarios. Exactly. At the grocery store, at the coffee shop. See how you can play with that, what did you call it, a lanyard? The lanyard. Throwing a little something extra. And now it's in my household, I am the bad cop when it comes to (laughs) buying something. We did appliances recently, and my husband comes in and goes, I think this is a good deal to get this dishwasher and this refrigerator. I said, nope. I'm not paying more than this amount for it. And you bring that guy to me. And I told him, look, I got a truck right now. I can take it off your hands by three o'clock before my kids get out of school. But if you call me after that, I don't know if I can come back. Mm -hmm. We got that refrigerator and that dishwasher for the price that we wanted. Amen. I love that. And I wonder what role gender plays in that. Because I have the same relationship with my partner who happens to be a guy. 
He's always the good cop. I love playing bad cop. Yes. Isn't it fun? It is fun, but it also feels like we're really bucking yes, gender stereotypes. Because they expect the husband to come in and be knowledgeable about the appliances and run the tough <laughs> deal. And I think in a way we can work that to our advantage because yeah. it may catch some people off guard. I came from a place, I'm from Louisiana, so we're taught to be, you know, girls are sugar and spice and everything nice and so sweet. And that's exactly how I was raised, but I was also raised to stand up for myself. So it's hard to balance when you do that and when it could be too much. Yeah. Now, this is what I had to become okay with, with, with my personal negotiations in my career. I had to say to myself, I'm okay with someone liking me a little bit less when it comes to my money. So if me asking for this amount is going to make you think, well, who does she think she is? I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'm so personally validated to hear you say that because I've been saying that for years on panels full of women like me in this business who are saying, well, you know, smile and, you know, play it down and bat your eyelashes and try to keep them all on, on board with you being a sweet lady. And I'm like, listen, somebody's going to think I'm an <laughs> and that's just what's going to happen. That's okay. <laughs> That is okay. And you have to be okay right. with it. And it's fine because guess what? They'll get over it. Right. And if you can't work it out, work out a negotiation, then you won't be at that place anyway. Exactly. And, and in the end, when they agree to things, they are validating what you already knew, that you're worth it and that you deserve it. And that, I think, is the tricky part of this wonderful listener's question, right, is how much am I worth exactly? Like, mm -hmm. how do I quantify my experience? And one of the initial things that she made me realize is, you know, take all of your work history and your personal worth out of the equation in the beginning. And I like to say, what is this position worth to the employer? So it's not about how do I quantify in dollars, my extensive background experience, work ethic, and characteristics. At first, in a negotiation, it's how much does Denver 9 News value a morning anchor? How much does this job mean to this organization? And make the offer center on that, first I, and foremost. I love that idea, starting with that, what it's worth to them. And I add to that, first of all, you've basically, you've got to know the cost of living yes. and the city that you're moving to, considering moving to. Um, and that's, that's first a basic search. Go to a grocery store's website. What is the price of milk, eggs, bread? That's going to tell you a lot. Colorado's in the middle of the country. And I remember being told everything's got to be shipped here, driven here. So food prices are higher. Mm. So that's one thing that I was thinking about um, as I started to negotiate. And also, I will say that the viewer, she mentioned, you know, Glassdoor, all these websites. And that got me thinking, I've never been on one of those websites oh, really? to compare salaries. No, not, you know, maybe I'm like, well, I'm old school, you well, know, I'm, I'm older, old school but... in my philosophy on how to get this intel then. So how do you how do you get that? So intel? this is what I do. I rely on people who are in the business or who were in the business, I always suggest getting a mentor. Yes. Latching on to someone, doesn't matter, male or female. Female would be great to help you advocate and she can show you some of the things that she's been through in terms of workplace bias or payment. Um, but it, it doesn't matter if it's a person who basically has all that information. So I have a mentor that I've had since college. He was my college professor. Yeah. And till this day, every major decision that I have to make, I call him, whether that's 
keeping a level head because I'm upset about something and going, <laughs> I'm out of here. Or looking at, you know, what what is this worth now? What are pe- people paying now? And it was through, um, even through the recession when things went up yeah. and down. So that's a resource. And I talked to people who were in the job because a lot of workplaces, you and I discussed this, will prohibit employees from talking about their salaries. And that is strictly for the employer's benefit, mm-hmm. for you not to know what the person next to you is making. And in some cases, it decreases animosity if someone finds out that another person is making a lot more yeah. than them, <laughs> right. you know, like, but it feels bad if you're that person who's making less. So if you're afraid of that, speaking with someone in your workplace, talk to someone who used to work there and say, what what's it paying right around the time yeah. that you're in there? And then for new markets and uh, reporters and anchors who move to new markets, I tell them all the time, cold call that newsroom, talk to another reporter, an anchor, Mm -hmm. and then, you know, ask if you guys can talk later about things like that. Just don't be afraid to ask that kind of uncomfortable question like, hey, what are you making or what did she make? That is such great advice. I like to say that it's the best information a cup of coffee can buy. Yes, yes. <laughs> Pay for somebody's yeah, $3 hey, cup of can coffee. Can I take you out for a cup of coffee? And boom, you've got an extra 20000 a year. <laughs> yes, so much valuable insight. And I honestly think that in today's day and age, job seekers, many of whom I work with, lean too heavily on the digital tools, which are lacking the human component. They are lacking the nuance and insight which you need when navigating a new workplace. And some of them are completely inaccurate. I remember speaking to an aspiring reporter who got a job offer in Grand Junction, and or she was competing for a job in Grand Junction, and she said, well, judging by what I'm seeing, it looks like the job may pay about $60,000, $70,000 a year. And I said, darling, you lucky if you get 25000 in Grand Junction. Yeah. She had no idea yeah. what a TV station there would pay. So you have to talk to somebody who is either there now or has been there um, mm-hmm. because they can give you a better idea of that. And when you're going in for the numbers, can I give advice on Please. what I tell people to do? It's It helps so much to have a number in your head. Like once you've done your research, it helps so much to go in with a number before they even make the initial offer. And then that offer might surprise you. Might be that number. Yeah. If it is, go higher. Right. Because there's always room for a little bit more than what they offered you. And then whatever you want, however much more you want, I say double it because you're probably going to go down and meet in the middle. I have a similar philosophy, right? Know your line in the sand. Know exactly what it is that you're aiming for and what is the lowest you would tolerate. And then don't tell them that. Exactly. Let them make an offer first. And that begins the process of negotiation. Aim high, compromise in the middle, and all parties leave in a happy, amicable way. And maybe there are other gives that could be um, non-financial, some other things that you can work out, like every second or third weekend, you get a three-day weekend, if that's what's worthful to you. If you're feeling like, my time is so valuable and I want to be offline for a little bit more, that's something you can negotiate too. Absolutely. There's so many non-financial negotiation options. You want to have them in your back pocket. You want to know what is the highest priority for you. Exactly. And I like to say daisy chain your asks, which is a concept I got from the world of digital communications. I used to help raise money uh, online one email at a time mm-hmm. for candidates, uh, which I think people loathe. <laughs> so I got, I got out of so that So you're business. the one who's been emailing me. <laughs> yeah, like chip in $5 now and save the planet. Yes. 
But what what we learned is people will contribute, but not if you ask them for three things at a time. Mm. People want to be told, okay, here's my number one priority. Exactly. Here's the number two priority if the number one priority gets a thumbs down, or maybe if it gets a thumbs up, right? Know your game plan for what's the highest priority and how you can pivot to the secondary and the third as you see fit. But don't come in with a laundry list. Nobody likes a laundry mm-hmm. list. But start that process only once the employer has named their price. Yeah, it right? shows that you're focused and you're flexible too because you also want to show, hey, I'm, I'm going to work with you because I want to be here. Because yeah. as soon as you've made it that far in the interview process, it's a place that you would like to work for. So showing them that can go a long way too and, you know, them helping you out and negotiating with you. I love that. I think the intel process is the hardest, as you just mentioned. So looking up and talking with mentors, talking with people who've been there in the past, doing those Google searches as you see fit. But what about when you are considering uprooting your life? I'm curious, in your background, you've made these big geographic shifts. Maybe they weren't industry shifts because they were similar in, in the capacity. They were bigger. No, they were bigger, bigger markets. TV works in yeah. market size. Okay. So Denver is a, is a much Bigger larger market, market. Yeah. Morgan City. But no each offense, one Morgan City. No, with shout out to Morgan City. Please look it up. Uh, Do yourself a favor. And there is a queen yeah. of the Shrimp and Petroleum Festival, and her crown is a giant rhinestone shrimp. <laughs> True facts. Oh my, as my goodness. kids say. True facts. True facts. <laughs> so tell me about making that decision to and at what point did you make this decision not just on behalf of you? you know, the reporter, but you, the mom and you, the family woman. Yeah, it was, well, the last move here to Denver was right after I had our first child. We have three. And you know what? Just to be honest, where I was at that stage in my life, I wanted to be home with my my child. Yeah. I didn't want to do the grind anymore and, and work in news. Yeah. Period. I didn't want to work. I wanted to be with him. And that was a decision that I'd made in Richmond. So I was in the process of backing down um, from anchoring and reporting there when my husband got an opportunity here in Denver. Uh-huh. And I said, okay, what's worth it to me? What What do I really want? Do I really want to stay home? And if I don't, where would I want to work? And so when he said Denver, I said, I, you know, I'd be crazy not to try to work at Nine News just because of its reputation and journalism across the country. So I said, here's that this is my one thing I'm willing to do. It's the only job I applied for. Wow. And I'm I'm amazed too when I think about it now that I got the job because I went in and I said, well, I can't work nights uh, because my husband's going to be gone and uh, I need to do this and that and the baby and the t- and I really don't want to be on weekend like maybe some Sundays but not <laughs> on Saturdays but but I I put everything on the table wow. because I thought if they don't want to deal with this then they don't want me and I just want to put it all out so that it's not uncomfortable later so if there are you know circumstances that you have to work around. Put it all out there. One thing I, I didn't think about, this was 11 years ago, that I wished I would have is talking about like nursing and, and having the space and accessibility to do that. Yeah. Because even 11 years ago, it was really hard to do. And now they've made accommodations. But before then, there there weren't any. So think about all the little things that you need to make your life full circle. And I would say lay lay as many as you feel comfortable out on the table if you feel like it won't hinder you too much, if you're comfortable with sure. it. But it was because I knew I, I could take it or leave it with this job. Right. So if you feel like you can truly take it or leave it, um, then that gives you more room to say sure. what you really want. And I would say anybody 
at that initial interview process, when you have an offer on the table, that is no matter how much power or take it or leave it kind of privilege you're bringing into that conversation, that's the biggest bargaining chip you've got. When they've said, we want you, and you're in a conversation about what it would take to make that happen, you will never have more leverage. And that's it. And that's the moment. And it feels exciting, too, when they say, we want you. So your inclination is to say, yes, I'll take it. Thank (laughs) you. But, you know, thank them and say, I'm going to give you a call back tomorrow. Like, I'm really excited about this opportunity. Thank you so much. And then give yourself a a minute to think. Absolutely. Um, Because it is exciting to get the job. But just know... They want you, so that means, you know. Don't let flattery make you rush into any kind of relationship. Like, you know, as my son would say, don't be thirsty. (laughs) Don't be too thirsty. Don't be too thirsty. Jumping all over the job. Don't be (laughs) thirsty. Like, back it up. Take your time. (laughs) Know your worth. Know you're worth the time and the effort (laughs) and the energy. And one of the interesting things here is that intersection of motherhood and negotiation, because this is something we started to talk about off air. The reality is that when you look at the gender wage gap between men and women, single childless women or child-free women, however you want to frame it, Mm -hmm. are making almost equal to their male counterparts, 96 cents on the dollar. When you look at women with children, that gap widens dramatically. We know that pay discrimination is so real. There is something there where I feel like corporate America feels like women who have children won't be able to give them their all. Um, like the the commitment won't be there or she'll have to juggle too much. But what person doesn't have to juggle a lot of things in their lives? And I do think that, that there's this fear of a mom prioritizing her children over a job, which that's her option to do. She, oh, Every person has an option to prioritize what's important to them um, in their life. But when companies do that, I feel like they are fearful. They're backing away from moms. And and in my industry, what I notice is even just being hired. How many moms are hired? How many new reporters have you seen that come to any city? I'm not just talking about Denver, who, you know, are married with children. And like, there, there aren't a lot of them. Um, and you just wonder, why is that? Are we considered too high risk that, you know, she might up and leave really quickly yeah. or, and, and that's, that's, it's you know, a, not a fair a opportunity. amount of unconscious bias yeah. that goes into it. Whereas dads get something called the daddy bonus. Oh yeah. He's so, so involved and he has to take care of a family. So we got to pay him more. That's why, that's why I look at, that goes from there all the way to when guys who have kids are like, oh, I'm babysitting tonight. No, you're not no, babysitting. You're They're your kids. Parenting. Like is, Chris is Rock the word. said, you don't get extra credit for stuff you're supposed to do. I love that. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> so, but it, I, I do completely agree where you just don't see as many moms and then the moms who are there. Right. Um, could be getting taken advantage of because they feel like, oh, well, she should be grateful just to be in the workplace. And that's where it comes back to the stories we're telling ourselves. The listener who called in today made this connection between how much she should ask for and her personal experience and worth and work ethic. And really, if we are fearful about the perception, let's say as a mother, that our work ethic will be called into question, God forbid, that we should have two important roles to play in our lives. how dare you? 
then we're going to be a little less confident at the negotiation it's conversation. True, because you feel like you're coming in at a disadvantage saying, I can't give as much as the other person can give, when in actuality, you absolutely can. I yes. mean, m- my schedule is not as open as everyone else's, but I can be flexible. I can, at the last minute, find some help to yeah. take care of things. So it shouldn't be that you're not considered for jobs. And I, what I like, um, like my news director, when I switched roles and started working weekend mornings and anchoring that show, um, my news director who's a woman who has children. She said, you know, I know this might be hard. It's your decision on whether to accept it. But I didn't want to not offer just because you're busy with your children on the weekends and because you're a mom. That wouldn't be fair. And I I love that perspective that she gave because Mm -hmm. for a lot of people, they would have cut it off thinking that they're doing a good thing. Oh, she's a mom. Her kids play soccer on the weekends. She can't. She'll be too busy. Yeah. No, we we can make it work. We absolutely can make it work. So I appreciate when people can get past their own, like you said, like that unconscious bias and thinking that they're helping us when really they're inhibiting our careers and just treat it like they treat anyone else. I hope every employer is listening (laughs) right now. Listen (laughs) up. I mean, in this country, I I don't want to get on my political soapbox. Jump on it. In this country where we are the only developed nation with no real plan on a federal level, and many state levels for making childcare work or be accessible to everyday Americans, we have become very adept at making it work. Yes. And all we're asking is for employers to make it work too and know that we can be collaborative, we can be flexible. And that's true for women with children. That's true for unmarried women who want to do anything outside of work. Absolutely. You know, going into that negotiation with the mindset, okay, how much do you, the employer, value this position? And then from there saying, here's why I'm above average and and going in with an eye for that lanyap. You exactly. Know? That's the framework I want our listener today to go into her next negotiation with, regardless of how 100% qualified she might feel for this role or not. It's it's exactly right. And I like how you pointed out it doesn't matter if you're married, single, mom, not a mom. It's all the same when you think about how women are approached in the workplace and how we are seen as weaker negotiators. And I I say if nothing else when you're thinking about it because I'm a person who likes to ponder on things for a while before I take action. Envision yourself walking into that room, have your theme music in your head. You're walking in there like a badass with your theme music going. And you're saying like, oh, they work for me. Like that's, have that in your head. Like you work for me. Like I'm going to, this is going to be the best thing that ever happened to you when I walk into your office and project that. So you got to hype yourself up a little bit. We've got many a Spotify playlist for that kind of what is it? Boss better have my money. That's Ooh, what I like to think I of like it. it. It's a take on I Rihanna. Like it. Yes. <laughs> my, I love, um, and this is my nine-year-old, my daughter's favorite song, Bossy by Khalees. Ah, uh, yeah. Ah, that's her mm-hmm. theme song. I'm, I'm like, that's, that's mama's theme song too. Yes. I love bossy. it. Because at the beginning of the song, she just says, you don't have to love me. You don't even have to like me, but you will respect me. Mm. And that's all we want is respect. Well, thank you so much, Taronda, for being here today. I I hope it helps anyone who really just needs that encouragement to know you are worth it. I'm 
I told y'all that Taronda Thomas was going to bring some awesome career advice, and boy, did she deliver. To keep up with Taronda, find her on Twitter at Taronda Thomas. I'll make sure to include that link in the show notes as well. And for anyone who wants to learn a lot more about negotiation, how to walk into your boss's office and ask for that promotion or raise, or be 100% prepared the next time you've got a job offer on the table, I'm hosting a totally free webinar all about negotiating like a boss tomorrow, Wednesday, April 25th at 12.30 Eastern. You can sign up now at the link in the show notes or go to bossedup.org for more details. Even if you can't join me live, register now and a replay will be sent your way. And now it's time for this week's Boss Moves Moment of the Week. This is Francie. I'm in Harrisonburg, Virginia. I attended your workshop a few years ago in D.C., and it really stuck with me. And I finally quit my dreaded job and created a business where I could work from home during the week and take care of my babies and be creative and be my own boss. We're almost done with our first year, and it's actually working out, and I can hardly believe it. And I'm so much less depressed than I used to be, and I'm actually excited about the future. Francie, I am so happy for you, boss, and feel so encouraged by your story. Navigating the transition you just mentioned and struggling with mental health issues is such a common challenge, but it's so rarely talked honestly about. So thank you for calling in and sharing your come up story. We're cheering you on, and I know you're inspiring others who are listening today. So thank you for sharing, Francie. We wish you all the best. Keep bossing. If you've got a Boss Moves moment to share or a question you want us to tackle on the podcast next, don't hesitate to give the podcast hotline a ring right now at 910-668-BOSS or 2677. That's all we got for you today. Thank you for tuning in. You can find the show notes, links to everything I mentioned, and more, including that free negotiation webinar I'm hosting on April 25th at bossedup.org slash episode 12. In the meantime, keep Boston in pursuit of your purpose and together we'll lift as we climb.
let's face it, speaking up at work can be really hard to do, especially for women and women of color. When the stakes are high and you've already worked so hard to just be the only woman in the room and you want to get everything right, you want to have all your facts and figures accurate before making your voice heard, it's just so much easier to stay silent instead. Researcher Deb Chahansky calls this loss of voice phenomenon. And it actually emerges in adolescent women at greater rates than men. And it sticks with us for the rest of our lives. Self-silencing behavior can actually become an unconscious habit unless we consciously engage in practicing our assertive communication skills. And we here at Bossed Up have set out to help women like you do just that. Speak Up, my live assertive communication course is back open for enrollment, and we're kicking off a new cohort launching this June. Over the course of eight life-changing weeks, you'll have access to interactive online curriculum and live weekly practice sessions where you, Irene and I, and a cohort of fellow Speak Up bosses who are owning their voice, overcoming the social messages that have taught us to keep silent, and really learning to strategically and assertively communicate when it matters most, we'll actually have the practice time to rewire our brains, create new neural pathways, and build better habits when it comes to speaking up with confidence and precision and assertively communicating in the workplace. Learn more and enroll today to secure your spot at bossedup.org speakup. That's bossedup.org speakup. 